This is our first session on 1 Thessalonians 2, 9 to 12. For you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship, working night and day so as not to burden any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. And we'll stop right there. So he's calling them to remember his hard toil and reminding them that his goal was not to burden any of them. We're going to see several reasons for why Paul functions like this, and that's the first one, not to burden any of them, because he's coming with the gospel, and the gospel is free. The gospel is a burden lifter. And if Paul embodies a style of ministry that is a burden adder, he's adding to their burden, then he would contradict the gospel. So, the four here goes back to the preceding sentence, which said, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our selves, because you had become very dear to us, you had become loved to us. And now, if we move forward, this sharing of his own self probably includes his own willingness to work very hard for them. In other words, not just an openness of communication, but sharing his very life in that he's staying up late at night working in order to provide for his own needs so that he doesn't have to burden them. Now, what I'd like to do is just broaden our lens, open our lens, and let you see a glimpse of this strategy of handling his finances elsewhere. So how did he toil and, and work hard in order to lift this burden? And here's the answer in Acts 18. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew there named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come to Italy with his wife, Priscilla, because he was of the same trade. So this great rabbi teacher had a practical uh, trade by which he could support himself. The same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. So now we know that Paul made tents. He had a skilled trade, and evidently there was a high market for it, so that as he went to any city, he could support himself. So that's how he toiled and worked hard and didn't burden them financially, but made tents and then preached to them the gospel freely. Now, here's Second Thessalonians. So same church, and we get a deeper glimpse into why he was so intent on working so as not to burden them, because there's a great problem at Thessalonica with idleness. And so he's going to set himself as an example of not being idle. We command you, brothers, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. 
for you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. So he's going to set an example now of how not to be idle, how you ought to imitate us because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and hardship, those are the very same words as right here, toil and hardship in verse 9 in the first letter to the Thessalonians. We worked night and day, same as verse 9 of chapter 2 in 1 Thessalonians, that we might not burden any of you. Same word, same phrase exactly as 1 Thessalonians. It was not because we do not have a right, come back to that, he had a right to be paid, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. So that's the second motive. Remember, I said that back here, the first was, we don't want to burden any of you. That's his first motive for working. And now we see it's because I want to set an example of not being idle. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. And so Paul puts himself forward as an example to imitate by working hard so as not to burden any of them. And so he's rebuking with his own behavior those who are walking in idleness. This example was not unique to the Thessalonian church. Here he is talking to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities to those who were with, and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you. So here's the example again. I have shown you that by working hard, you ever wonder why Christianity, when it spread throughout the world, produced a work ethic? This is part of the reason. I showed you by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give by working hard. You work hard to have something to give, and that's more blessed to give than to receive. And all of that was by way of example. Now, remember, we said that it's not because I don't have a right. It's not because we don't have a right. Let's look at that right. Here is 1 Corinthians 9. Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written, you shall not muzzle an ox when it is treading out the grain. In other words, when a, a minister does the work of the ministry, he should be able to eat from the ministry. That's the point. Here it is again. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake, because the plowman should plow in hope. And the thresher should thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. In other words, it's not wrong for an apostle or an evangelist or a pastor to be paid from his own ministry. 
if we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much that we reap material things? In other words, it's not wrong for us to get paid with some material food and clothing and shelter if we have poured ourselves out to give you the most important things in the world. If others share in this rightful claim, and they certainly did, you go back to the beginning of chapter 9, you see it, Peter and others. Do not even we more? Should we not have the right more? Nevertheless, now this is the great um, strategy of the apostle. Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel. That's the third motive. So the first motive was not to burden any of you. And the second motive was to set an example for everyone to imitate in working hard. And then the third motive is don't put an obstacle in the way of the gospel. Just another point on the right that he had. Here he is talking about the elders, the pastors. Should pastors be paid? Let the elders, the pastors, who rule well be considered worthy of double honor. Now, in the context, I think that's financial as well as spiritual. Especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it is treading out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. So Paul believed that it was right for pastors to be paid. And here's Jesus in John, I mean Luke 10, 5 to 7. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you and remain in the same house. In other words, don't go from house to house looking for the best food or the most posh accommodations. Stay in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. So when Jesus sent out his workers, he expected them to participate in the material blessings of the people as they shared spiritual blessings. But don't go from house to house. Stay and be satisfied with the first one. So back to our text. You remember, brothers, and he's calling it to their mind so that they will see in him the authenticity of love that he just asserted when he said, you became very beloved to us. You remember, brothers, our toil and hardship, working night and day so as not to burden any of you, we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. So Paul's strategy is that he has a right to be paid. He forgoes that right in order not to burden any of them and in order to give them something to imitate so that they don't become lazy and think, well, the apostles don't work. I guess we don't have to work. And in order not to put any obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. So when we apply that to ourselves, I would say some missionaries are going to be um, self-supporting, 
tent-making missionaries. Some are going to depend upon churches, which Paul also did, as we'll see later on. And some are going to take the benefits from their local church, who now, because they've received so freely, give so freely so that others can receive freely, and they don't have to charge for the gospel when they preach it on the mission field. And I think for pastors, this has a governing effect on our salaries. We shouldn't try to get huge salaries, and we shouldn't try to get a lot of honorariums, and we shouldn't try to get a lot of royalties. It's in my life, I've tried to put governs, governors, don't take the royalties, don't take the, the honorariums. My church pays me enough. I don't need to get rich off the gospel. So I would commend to you serious thought about your own financial strategies in life to commend the gospel.